This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey, movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing, Monica? Ready to travel to parts of the Marvel Universe we've yet to see. <laughs> I found something really cool, Monica. Yeah? It's just a finite stone, though, so it's, oh. pretty, much, it's pretty much just a rock. Yeah, that's not as fun. Yeah, no. it does kind of, it has some cool colors, but other than that, it's You're not, not that cool. <laughs> oh, uh, as always, people can subscribe to Cinema Fix on iTunes. Uh, be sure to email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 336-793-2509. We'd love to hear from you. This is part two of episode number 81 of Cinema Fix, focused on the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. So if you're looking for part one, uh, you're listening to the wrong file. Go away. Go listen to that one. Uh, if this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio devoted to in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers, and it's designed to be listened to after you've heard part one, or at least after you've seen the movie. Again, this is part two, so if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening now and go check out part one of this episode. Uh, before we really dive into Guardians of the Galaxy, though, I'm privileged to introduce a very special guest. Uh, he is the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network. He co-hosts a ton of podcasts on that network, uh, including the Black Guy Who Tips, which comes out five days a week. So this guy is, he, he, he's a media machine, basically. Podcasting all the time. Rod Morrow, welcome back to Cinema Fix. Uh, thanks for having me, Andrew and Monica. Appreciate y'all uh, reaching out. Yeah, it's always fun. Uh, some of you may know Rod from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, where we, when we talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every week, uh, when we always try to invite him on to talk about Marvel superhero movies, because you know a lot more about comics than I do, <laughs> Rod. <laughs> so you're able to give that perspective on kind of how Marvel is developing their cinematic universe. Uh, but let's dive right into things. Uh, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Here's a clip. We have to stop Ronin. How? I have a plan. You've got a plan. Yes. First of all, you're copying me from when I said I had a plan. No, I'm not. People say that all the time. It's not that unique of a thing to say. Secondly, I don't even believe you have a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? You don't get to ask questions after the nonsense you pulled on nowhere. I just saved Quill. We've already established that you destroying the ship that I'm on is not saving me. When did we establish? Like three seconds ago. I wasn't listening. I was thinking of something else. Oh. She's right. You don't get an opinion. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> That's a fake laugh. It's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. It's barely a concept. You're taking their side? I am Groot. So what is better than 11%? What the hell does that have to do with anything? Thank you, Groot. Thank you. See? Groot's the only one of you who has a clue. All right, Rod. I'm going to start with you. 
what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy? Is this a good addition to Phase 2 of Marvel's grand plan? I I know that you've been a big fan of all of their previous films, including Thor The Dark World, which we had quite the the debate about uh, a few months ago. Do you think Guardians of the Galaxy is another hit? Uh, yeah, for me it is, man. I I did, like, there's some Marvel films I haven't liked in the Phase 1 specifically, like uh, Captain America, the first one wasn't that good to me, and neither was Thor the first one, but um, this is like, uh, they knocked it out the park for me. Um, it's the uh, new standard for spacefaring uh, whimsical tales, um, and, you know, it, it actually made me look forward to uh, what J.J. Abrams could possibly do with Star Wars, but it also put a lot of people on notice because uh, this is the bar, man. If I don't want any more space uh, tales that aren't as good as this and, it, and make me feel as epic and like a kid um, and skip around the world, uh, around the galaxy doing uh, cool stuff. And I want talking raccoons and I want trees that can only say three words. Like, um, that's the kind of thing I'm into now. So. <laughs> No more space operas without talking flora and fauna. <laughs> yes, yeah, I need Chris Pratt. I need Chris Pratt doing jokes uh, every couple of lines. Like, yeah, I, I could not be more in love with this film. Okay. Wow. How would you say it compares to Thor The Dark World and Iron Man 3 and Captain America Winter Soldier? Uh, I think it's better than all of those. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Monica, you and I talked a little bit about it in, in part one. I get the impression that you're also overall a fan of this film. I'm on the like side. I don't think I, I love it as much as Rod does. I did like Thor The Dark World, so I know you totally weren't on that. Um, but overall, I had a lot of fun with it, and I wasn't. I had no expectations going into this because I had no idea what to expect. This wasn't like a familiar Marvel character. You know, how who are these guys? The fact that it kept me entertained for the runtime and I, you know, am kind of maybe plotting to cosplay as Gamora, I'm all right with that. (laughs) I will say this, you know, I'm disappointed uh, that we didn't do an episode on on Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Rod, because I think you and I would have actually agreed on that film. I, I like that film. I think it's by far the best thing that Marvel has done in in Phase 2. I will say, though, that Guardians of the Galaxy is at least more fun than Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, which were just so convoluted and nonsensical that I was just really, really put off and bored by them. Guardians of the Galaxy at least has some personality that shines through occasionally, which which I like. So I found it far more enjoyable to sit through i still don't think it's a very good movie however and once again rod i'm tired of all these infinity stones i i just i don't like them i don't like what they do to these movies but but let me ask you this have you read any of the guardians of the galaxy comics and if so how faithful is this adaptation i i do not read guardians of the galaxy so like that's one of the ones where um they started um, late, like I want to say maybe 2006 or something like that, um, which I think is one of the reasons that th- the film version of it kind of stands apart from the other movies. It's because it's like, you know, the first property where Marvel knew that we could make a movie from this and control all of it, you know, like every character that we 
invent all the backstory um we you know we now have a plan and we have some movies that are already out there that we can fit this into so um you know i think having that complete control is what made this movie be able to be a huge departure from the other films see i kind of feel like marvel had too much control i feel Mm -hmm. like now that the avengers has made a billion dollars they're just really kind of cracking down and I feel like most of these these phase two movies just really don't have much spark or personality to them. I, I will say Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, it was directed by James Gunn. This is a guy who for the past decade or so has has developed kind of a cult following just by doing really small, weird cult movies like Slither and Super, uh, he did a, a web series for Spike called PG Porn, which is hilarious. Uh, if you get a chance, check out PG Porn. Uh, it's basically everything you love about porn without the sex. And uh, it, it's hilarious. And I feel like you you can see bits of his style occasionally come through in this movie, whether it's the the one-liners from Rocket Raccoon or just the overall weirdness of, of some of the visuals. But at the same time, I feel like this movie's not weird enough. I feel like, narratively, the story just is going through the same beats we've seen a million times before. Once again, there's a villain I don't care about chasing a MacGuffin Infinity Stone that's all-powerful that I don't care about. The, the thing about Guardians of the Galaxy is I think the movie's at its best, actually, when... It's not following the story when it's just like these people in a room talking. They have such good chemistry yeah. together. I thought that those scenes were a lot of fun. And then the story would kick in and I'd just be like, oh, man, back to this, man. For me, I mean, the um, the relationships were the key to a lot of it. And the writing between the castmates was, was very um, funny. Um, like I read an article that said it was the class clown of the Marvel Universe. And I kind of like that description. Like. It doesn't take itself too seriously, um, and it's not trying to. Um, even though the it, it is built around the grave consequences of, you know, someone getting a planet destroying stone, it it just kind of makes it so lighthearted that you're that I'm I wasn't going like, oh my god, the universe is at stake. But you know, it's almost an ironic title, the Guardians of the Galaxy. They, I mean, they actually get it as a pejorative like nickname from the villain you know so uh yeah i i don't know man i it worked for me um and even when they're on the missions and they're doing stuff um the banter is just so good and witty and um concise that uh it it, you know i it just kept every scene flowing and you know it felt like i got a laugh every couple of minutes and not that i think the jokes were just some like you know, were, were so so such great written humor. It was just like a feeling of euphoria and whimsical delight. Then they were all like having these like these team building exercises. Basically, is what these missions turned out to be. And uh, yeah, it was it was just very fun for me. Um, that my entire audience was laughing. Uh, my wife and I were laughing. You know, the the fight choreography was well done. So. Uh, it was it was great, and especially considering that this comes from the Marvel universe that hasn't even left Earth yet. You know, like it just opens up so many possibilities, and uh, you know, like it, it just launched right into like my favorite Marvel film. 
Well, I agree with you that the the tone is very lighthearted, and I think that that is definitely a plus. I think these movies are often better when they're not trying to be super serious. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons I, I really didn't care for Thor The Dark World, which is because it felt like everything was so serious, and, oh, the universe is at stake, and it's so dark, and there's these dark elves, and it was just so so depressing at times. It's, it took itself so seriously. And Guardians of the Galaxy does remind me of Iron Man in that it's not afraid to just kind of kick back, have some fun, poke a little fun at itself. And I think that, that that's the right attitude to have with these movies the difference is that iron man actually had a central character that that i felt like i could relate to that that felt developed that felt fleshed out that went through a journey whereas everybody in guardians of the galaxy i feel like is just a a one-dimensional piece of cardboard they just kind of they they give us one little bit of information about each of these main characters and then throw them together and expect us to care like oh chris pratt's mother died Oh, Rocket Raccoon likes guns, and it feels bitter about the fact that he's a, a raccoon with a who is genetically modified. Oh, Groot says I am Groot. Oh, Drax wants revenge, and I, I feel like these the characters they were just so simple. I felt like they they never really felt very conflicted. I never felt like they were changing much over the course of the film, even though the movie kept telling me, "Oh yeah, they're changing." I just never really, really felt that I was able to get really engaged with them. I mean, Chris Pratt's character is the one that goes through the most change because before he was kind of selfish, you know, playing for himself sort of thing. And then, you know, he does that sacrifice for Gamora. Because he wants to get laid. Real big, well, he cares for her is what we're supposed to be believing or whatever. But then he does the big sacrifice with the Infinity Stone at the end. So he saves a planet mm. and it could destroy him, but he's going for it. Like, I could see that they were trying to make that a compelling arc, but I just, I never really got into it. Like, the movie actually starts off with this really, really interesting scene for a Marvel film. It starts off with death. Just the death of his mother as he's a child. And I Which was, is actually more in the Disney tradition, but continue. Right, but I was sitting there thinking, okay, this is an interesting place to, to start out the film. And it goes straight from that and him crying and running out of the hospital and just within a split second goes into alien abduction, whisking him off to space. And I was like, whoa, that's a crazy jarring transition. It's weird. I like it. Let's see where this movie goes from here. And then they never went back to that. They never really went back to how the death of his mother affected him. And then you have that obligatory scene at the end where, oh, they're all holding hands now. And it's referencing how he didn't hold his mother's hand before. It just, it just felt so superficial to me. Like, I felt like this was a character that could have been developed so much more. And when it comes to his relationship with Gamora... Gamora is not a character. I, she's she's just a non-entity to me. She was so flat, and then they just randomly put them together. And, of course, because it's a movie, they're supposed to fall in love. And I, I just never got any of that romantic chemistry between the two of them at all. I thought her story was interesting. Yeah, they never really pulled the trigger on her being, like, on them being in love or anything. Yeah. Um, I think there's a moment where you're, where they, like, as a gag pull the oh isn't this the part where they always do the kiss or they do the and they're like and they kind of pull back like nope it's not it's another joke um 
Well, um, but what I was going to say is um, I think if you have the dismissive tone that you had towards all the characters, you could say that about any movie in the history of the world. It'd just be like, oh, yeah, of course, Fredo is the one who's, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he he's the one who feels like he's underutilized and not respected. And Michael, I mean, sure, he's going to be the leader one day. I mean, we've all seen that before. And like you could if you just say it that way, then everything sounds like dismissive. I, th- I, th- I think the. Um, for as many characters as they introduced uh, and the uh, arc that they had the characters take, I think every single character had a uh, hang up that they had to get over in order to become a better team in order to save the galaxy. I I felt like the movie was telling me that was what was happening, but they never really showed that to me and I, I never really felt it. And especially Gamora, just everything with Gamora really bothered me. Like the the opening scene, she's with Ronan, and you think she's gonna go steal the uh, orb from uh, Peter Quillen, and that she's gonna be start off as kind of an antagonist. And then as soon as she gets caught, it's she says, "Oh no, actually, I'm working against Ronan and Thanos." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, so is this like a ploy?" Are you lying? Are you gonna? Is the movie gonna like keep us in the air as to what side you're on? Because maybe that could be interesting if we're never really sure. Is she lying? Is she telling the truth? But nope, the movie just just first shows us working for Ronan and then has her state flat out. Oh no, actually, I'm not with Ronan. I'm on the good side, and it and that's it. That's the end of discussion. She says why you caught that right. Well, yeah, because she says they're going to destroy an entire people or whatever, and uh, and I no, was no because Thanos like killed her family in front of her, right? Mm-hmm. But I was just kind of like, well, if that's the case, why didn't you show us more of that conflict in the opening scene? I felt like this movie was just constantly telling me things about the characters and and transitions that they were going through, you as opposed more to actually. I I just wanted them to show more conflict or just show the characters transitioning as opposed to just telling us, oh yeah, we were this way, but now we're this way, actually. Well, I, I think it's interesting you pick Gamora because I think she's the only character that um, knew the stakes from the beginning and there was no, like, she was kind of the straight man, quote unquote, in the movie. Like, she plays the more serious um Hey guys, this is this is really happening. Role for everybody, you know. Like it, whenever the team is like breaking down or breaking apart, her her whole thing is more like, well, I'll do it by myself if I have to. But everything here is bigger at stake than, um, you know, than your petty motivations because we're literally talking about the future of you know the galaxy if, if, if Thanos gets his hands on this um, uh, Infinity Stone once she finds out what it is. So. Yeah, yeah, I feel like maybe with her, there is less conflict. Her conflict is more about trusting the team um, to do the right thing because her her entire time is like, you guys, I can convince you with money. Well, we sell it for some money. All right. Well, you guys um, are now getting petty. Uh, I'll just take the stone for myself and do it myself if I have to. I don't need you guys. So I think her thing was more about um, learning to rely on everybody else. But the other characters definitely had conflict, whether it's Chris Pratt's selfishness as Peter Quill and immaturity um, and not wanting to step up to the mantle of um, something bigger than just uh, being a ravager, um, whether it was um, uh, Drax, who only wanted his vendetta to be uh, settled by uh 
killing Ronan himself um, and just refused to admit um, that he he also needed help. And, you know, obviously uh, Rocket with the idea that he was so uh, conflicted off of his his horrible background, but also just the fact that he had an inferiority complex, man. And there's a scene where there's a raccoon that is drunk and having a come to Jesus moment. And and it and it is resonating with me, which is you know, as a concept before I walked in that theater was something I never thought would happen. I was very impressed, man, by by all of all, all of the um, uh, character arcs. Um, so and, and the way that the team came together because this is the thing you have to do. Is like I don't know how you make this movie. It, it's almost like with these Marvel movies, people want the movies to not be from the comic books that they're from. And I think that is the fundamental like disconnect between critics and like the fans is that fans recognize the source material has like a certain amount of um, issues in it, but those issues are what make it great. And if you don't do those things, then you you walk out of the movie going, yeah, that movie was shit because I read all this stuff for for years and they're not going to do it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a real conflict of interest because you like you need certain smaller bad guys like Ronan to build up towards a Thanos. You just can't go straight to Thanos in this. So you're going to have disposable villains. That's what comic books basically are. Well, you can have disposable villains, but still make them interesting. You know, that, that's well, I my, was interested my, in Ronan. I just I, I, I feel like was. so many of these phase two villains are you could just replace them all with each other. They're all completely replaceable. You know, what is there really that big of a difference between Ronin and uh, Malekith in Thor the Dark World? No, no I, not I really. don't I don't think that there's a huge difference. I will agree with you there. But at the same time, I think that is a comic book trope that you can't avoid. I don't think it's a I, I like, think you I don't can avoid think it. That, I, I, well what what movie avoided it? Like even with Captain America, which I love, you put any white man in a suit could be Robert Redford. Any, you know, like uh, the 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 Winter Soldier doesn't even speak the whole film. Like yeah, the Winter Soldier was the worst part of that movie. <laughs> um, but my point being, like, it's a comic. Like you can't avoid what the comic books are. Like Thanos is gonna be the the guy by Avengers three that we're like, wow, they really built that guy up with twenty minutes of every other film or whatever. You know, like. That'll be the guy where, like, look at this guy's background, and that's when I expect everybody to be blown away by the bad guy, and they won't. They probably won't kill Thanos because they never kill like the huge bad guys. But for the smaller films, and it's obviously it's ironic to say smaller, yeah. and but you know what I mean. For the small, for, for the smaller storied films like this, they're gonna have to have disposable bad guys that just make you feel like, oh, it's a threat. But not a Thanos threat, because when Thanos comes around, it's going to be like, oh, my God, that guy's going to destroy the universe. I'm just saying you can have a, a disposable villain that's that that's a reasonable threat, but that's also interesting. And that, you know, isn't j- doesn't just feel like a, a plot device meant to wrap the narrative around. Who would you who would you cite as those villains? Okay, well, I th- honestly, the reason I think uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier has been the best of these, the Phase 2 movies, is because, okay, yeah, Winter Soldier was kind of a crappy villain, but at least with Robert Redford, not a great villain, but he represented something. He represented, you know, that, that whole movie was about 
uh, it wasn't just about, oh, this magical MacGuffin that could destroy the galaxy. It was about uh, nationality and allegiance and the state of the, of the country. And you had Captain America questioning his, well, what's the deal with S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is S.H.I.E.L.D. good? Is S.H.I.E.L.D. bad? I felt like there were just so m- many more interesting ideas and conflicts represented by um, that villain and, and that whole that whole story of Captain America Winter Soldier than just, oh, here's a generic bad guy wanting to get his hand on some weapon. Yeah, I don't think Robert Redford's portrayal of that uh, was was that good. Uh, like, I actually think Lee Pace outacted Robert Redford in this movie. Maybe by, so, but... By, but... A long, by a long way. Like, it wasn't even close. And then also, um, I think the stakes in that movie feel bigger because you're actually talking about five movies you're talking about like avengers captain america one captain america two you're talking about his cameo in thor two you're talking about agents of shield you're actually not talking about just this one movie you 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 know this is actually an introduction to a whole other level of characters and universe to the marvel film so it's not really um i don't think it's really even uh, even grounds and even with that I would still say uh, Ronan's a more, much more interesting villain than uh, Robert Redford was. And not just the villains I mean even if you're just complaining about the main characters like you were earlier uh, we had standalone films for all the other members of the Avengers Right. You and, and get that with Guardians this is this is the their Avengers moment and it, we're already we're just meeting them now. And maybe we should have, I don't know, maybe maybe I'd like Guardians of the Galaxy more if we actually had standalone movies yeah, beforehand okay. with all their characters. Marvel took a risk enough to do this film. If they did the, the Rocket Raccoon film, I'm pretty sure. Um, I want to see the Groot movie. Yeah, yeah. It would be uh, pandemonium if any of those movies failed. It would be like, <laughs> what the hell did they think they were doing? Like, there should, like they, they throw these characters together and yes i i acknowledge if you're introducing audiences to a team of characters it's going to be hard to develop all of them in an in an interesting way and give them all uh good arcs over the course of a single film but it's not impossible and i feel like it could have been done better than they pulled it off in in this movie and getting back to to everything with the with the villains i think part of the problem with Lee Pace, I he, again, great actor, and I think he does what he can with what's pretty much a, a nothing character. But the, one of the big problems I have with this movie is that it feels like it's so interested in just moving from plot point to plot point and moving from scene to scene and location to location that it never really takes the time to just immerse you in this new world, in this universe. And there were there were so many little details that I found myself intrigued by and and wanting and in some cases needing to know more about if, if I'm going to get invested in this plot. But the movie just just kind of zooms right by them. Like what what kind of details? Like, every, OK, like I I like they go through the, the villain's whole motivation so quickly. Like, OK, like I get that there are these blue people called the Kree. Mm-hmm. And there are these human-like aliens called the Xanadarians. Hey, who, who taught you about the Kree, baby? Who taught you about the Kree? I, well, yeah, we. Well, I know That's from right. Agents of Shield that this the Kree guy. are blue people. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, so the Kree and the Xanadarians don't get along for some reason, and there's been some sort of uh, historical conflict, and. 
they're they're they build up uh, Ronin as this kind of heretic fringe Osama bin Laden type figure who's gonna overturn the uh, the treaty or something and, and wants to go to war with Xandar for for some reason I wasn't quite sure why is is he just power hungry or is there something in his past that I I felt like there was so well, he's much a zealot who will not be satisfied until they're wiped off the face of the earth as a people like like they rush through it so quickly yeah you know what i let me just say this i i do understand that complaint from somebody that is not that familiar with the marvel universe because it is a lot of topics to throw at somebody right away that there is like a huge space war when you've not really even been introduced to space yet through the other films so i could understand it being a bit overwhelming and like not really connecting because it's like I, you know, when I hear, hear Kree, I'm already thinking Kree versus Scrolls. I'm thinking about the Shi'ar. I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking about so many other things when I just hear the word, like, oh my God, there's so many possibilities they could do with this movie just from the onset of uh, the introduction of Ronan. Whereas I think if I had no familiarity with those concepts, I would probably just be like, well, why do I care about this war? Well, right. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt. Like, I felt like there were a bunch of places in the movie where it's almost like they were only making the movie for for Marvel enthusiasts and people that already know the universe. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, you guys know who the Kree and the Xanadarians are. So we'll just briefly touch on it and then move on. And meanwhile, I'm just sitting like going, what? Back up. Like, this could be really interesting, but you got to give me time to process it all. Like, I was wondering, okay, so there's Kree, there's Xandar. Are there any other alien races I need to know mm-hmm. about? Uh, what's the deal with, with the Xanadarians? Uh, I'm, you've got John C. Riley and Glenn Close, and they look like humans, except they're occasionally different colors and have crazy hair. What's, mm-hmm. like, do, do the Kree and the Xanadarians have any special abilities? What's their personality? What's their history? Like, I wanted to know more about them but then the movie just kind of rushes right by that it's just like oh there's this conflict and that's why you have the comics man yeah i could definitely relate to that and i understand and not only that but it's just that you know from a movie making perspective the alternative is to kind of go into like almost a wikipedia type you know like not necessarily i mean you could i honestly think with you could just add on 10 to 15 minutes of just like the characters in these places just talking to random people just like gradually showing us I mean different it would feel like you're stopping the, the narrative right not necessarily yeah. I, I mean okay I it, well there's a thing I'm saying this as someone who knows the comics and saying it's that much depth it's not it's, it isn't simple like it isn't just oh let's go talk to this person there was a war once it still <laughs> wouldn't tell you enough like well, no, you, but it, like but you really could me, get into it. Give me like, a little bit of time to just kind of process the basics. I feel like, or maybe I mean, this movie has has kind of been compared to Star Wars in certain circles. Right, it's like Star Wars without the politics, which is much better. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a part of me that kind of thinks, well, maybe this movie needed an opening crawl. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, sort of, maybe. Okay, that would have solved your problem then. Yeah. Like, give me a paragraph or two just to tell me the basics of what's going on in this universe yeah. and run okay. from there. That's a, re- that's a reasonable thing. Um, I think that wouldn't add much time to the movie. I think the runtime and the skipping around is actually part of my favorite uh, part of this movie is that it isn't really stopping for you to, like, catch up. And it felt like I was catching my breath the whole movie. Uh, which made a you know a movie that is over two hours pretty exhilarating for me because I'm like 
oh, where are we going next? Where it's like I was like a kid at at, at a at a, at a Disney theme park. Where it's like I want to ride this one, and um, that's and I enjoyed that feeling from the movie. But I also, like I said, am, I'm kind of speaking from a place of privilege of knowing some of the background without you even telling me. Like as soon as you go, this is a celestial's head, and we're 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 we based yeah. the colony, the mind, the head of a celestial here. My nerd boner is already through the roof. So, like, it, like I was gonna bring that up. Like, I, I like this how you compare it to a ride. Like, I felt like the kid at Disney World who's getting dragged by his parents around the park, going, and I'm going, oh, that looks like a cool ride. I want to go on there, but no, they're dragging me along somewhere else. Oh, that looks cool. Tell me more about. No, they're dragging me on somewhere else. Like, they go to the, the to the, they have you have a giant floating head in space, and they're like, oh. It's the head of this old celestial being. And I'm like, tell me more about that. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, you but, um, like but to me, no. you sound like the kid that got on the ride and is throwing <laughs> That's how you sound. I'm like, just I'm just like, no, like like forget this 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 boring cliche plot about the infinity stone and all of this stuff that I've seen before. Tell me like just like immerse me in this world and this weirdness and, and give me information and characters and 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 situations and and history that i feel like i haven't seen before focus on that stuff not all of the boring stuff with your super powerful mcguffin and your cliche love story that i've seen a million times before like let's be let's be honest though andrew your opinion is a little outside of the norm like if we were doing you know uh statistics you would be an anomaly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or outlier, you be an outlier. I yeah, um, I'm I'm used to that feeling. <laughs> now what I now my what I think is a lot of people because they don't. There's a lot of people that enjoyed this movie. Rotten Tomatoes, ninety two percent from critics, which you know I don't really care about, but ninety six percent from the audience, which is amazing. Sometimes we agree with the general public. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, I'm not saying I'm I'm only discounting critics because I don't really care, but I do think the movie going public matters, like. If they like something, then it's going to get made again, more than likely. And if they don't, then it doesn't matter what I think about it. It ain't ain't happening, right? But what's interesting, though, is I don't think the people that like this know that much more than Andrew. So I wonder if they just kind of don't care because everyone's so... No, they don't care because there's there's a cute little baby dancing tree. Yeah, well, everyone's so fresh and new. And I think... This is something that the Marvel movies and the other, the Sony movies and uh, Fox movies in particular, especially, um, it's it's been something that actually has burdened the other films because there's such a like, um, you know, 50, 60, 70 year history to some of these characters. And if you do anything different, people reject it immediately. Like, well, comic fans reject it. Well, it's not even comic fans, movie fans. Think about Superman, Man of Steel. How many people think Man Superman is actually the uh, old '80s movies? Like they don't, they can't even relate to this idea that Superman hasn't been that in over a decade in the comic books. They just think to themselves, like, "Well, Superman would never destroy a city," you know? Like th- that's it. Like, why didn't he save a baby? Like, they they can't they can't see it not. They can't not see it from the perspective of someone who's seen those other movies. Well, I think Marvel realized they had an opportunity here where it's like, we can just introduce a lot of stuff at the same time and people won't be so attached to it that they won't give it a chance. And I, and it seems like people, it's working. The gamble is working because it's, it's a much more highly uh, received movie than 
the ones that that we do have a folklore to go back to and go, well, Spider-Man would never do such and such, you know? I mean, I'm glad people like the movie. And like I said, I, I liked it more than a lot of the other Phase 2 films. And I think that it, it wins a lot of points just by being lighthearted and having a sense of humor. I think that that goes a long way towards engendering uh, goodwill. For me, I like... I felt like this movie was was good in spurts. Like, there would be long segments where I was just bored and just didn't care about anything that was happening. And then something fun and kind of humorous and and tangential would happen, and I'd be like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Give me some more of that. And then the movie would go back to the plot, and I'd be bored, and then something other, you know, some other random thing would happen. I'd think, well, that's interesting. So I felt like I was constantly being jerked around. Why do you think so many cool people like me and Monica like it? I mean, if you had to guess. Because it does have personality. I think mm-hmm. that shines through. And I think James Gunn does what he can in terms of making the movie feel cool and feel feel lighthearted and fun and, and, and like you shouldn't take it seriously. You know, it's got the, the, the soundtrack. Um, it's got so many scenes of characters dancing. Like dancing really is a common motif that runs throughout the film when we it first really meet. I mean, Chris the Pratt, music is dancing. so good, and like, like you, like you're taken to a like place almost. You know, like it's just a party for two hours, and I just want to relax and just have a good time. And sure, the fate of the galaxy is at stake, but we're also having a fun banter back and forth, and that that really worked for me. Um, I noticed also a lot of people that <laughs> dislike the movie. Not that there's a lot of y'all, but the few people that don't like it, they they constantly reference that Ronan's not a good villain, but Yondu, My- Michael Rucker's also a villain in the movie, and they don't give him any credit uh, for his betrayal. He was good. He was good. I still don't think he's a great villain either, though that arrow weapon was pretty awesome. I feel like most of the characters in this movie were not really interesting or, or well-developed. Um, and I mean, I can see why people like the movie. It feels fun. It, it, it's got a lot of personality. It's not. It's it's weird. It's cool. It's it's colorful at times. You know, and like you said, it has an awesome soundtrack. I guess I just feel like that is the really fancy costume meant to cover up the fact that narratively speaking, there's really not much there, and there's really not much to these characters. There's not much to these plot. And, and, and I guess for me, I needed a little bit more meat on the bones. You well, know, we do it, know that Yondu raised uh, uh, Star-Lord from a kid, um, and he's a scoundrel. And But he also kind of has a soft spot for uh, Peter Quill. And I feel like, you know, as a character, he's not a complete douchebag. But, um, you know, as a bad guy who doesn't die at the end and still has motivation to, like, track down Quill at the end of the film, I feel like um, he's going to be back. And I'm interested to see more of him um, as they develop the characters. Like, what one thing that has gotten lost in a lot of the discussion of each individual Marvel movie is that it does tie into a universe. And a lot of these things that I think people would complain about are just things, they're just, like, complaining about a part of a story arc that will be continued well well, that's what i keep hearing and i you know everyone keeps telling me oh don't worry about the infinity stones andrew because thanos is going to get him and and it'll become the infinity and he will get the infinity gauntlet and it's going to be great in avengers 3 and i'm just kind of like hey that may be the case you know it's entirely possible that future movies will be awesome but that doesn't change the fact that these movies right now 
feel really kind of perfunctory and cliche to me. And I and I mm-hmm. when it comes to their their plots and you know everything you're saying about Yandu and. Uh, how we find out at the end of the movie that actually he was supposed to deliver Peter to to his father, whoever that is. I feel like this movie could have been really cool if it wasn't bogged down by this Infinity Stone stuff. Like, if it had just been a movie about, hey, Peter Quillen's trying to figure out who his father is, or, hey, Rocket Raccoon is, is figuring out, has to figure out uh, who created him and, and all that stuff, and these characters are, are for thrown along into the mix or whatever reason. I feel like if it had actually focused more on their conflicts mm. as opposed to this intergalactic threat and, and that it has to build up for future movies, I just think it would have been a lot more interesting and a lot more compelling and they would have been able to take these characters to some more interesting places. But it feels like to me so often the characters are sidestepped and and the more interesting elements of this universe are overlooked because they have to keep keep going back to these infinity stones and everything with thanos and i just i feel like well can't you make that a supporting part in another story well it's got to be in something and they're probably going to put a little bit of it in everything because that's kind of how you know comic books work in general is they put a little bit of something in, you know, like a little bit of the major story in every single story so that when the, you know, the big bad is kind of like come to when it comes to fruition, there's so much like ominous foreboding and you can kind of go back and go, oh, remember when he showed up in this and he got betrayed, but, you know, he's going to be pissed about that. Like kind of, you know, like I but but I, I do understand your point. Um, I You know, I just disagree with it because I did think the movie was cool. So it wasn't like, a you know, for me, I guess I can't relate to this idea of like, it would have been better because it's like, no, that's that's about as good as it can get. You know, and I'm wondering about like subsequent sequels, because, you know, it's made money. There's going to be another Guardians. So like maybe you'll mm-hmm. get oh, the sure. answer to your prayers and they'll be able to explore different, you know, facets of their their psyche, of their characters, of their background. I hope so. It ends with. See you in Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy too. Like, literally, it ends with that. So, I think I and probably most movie going audience at this point kind of gives we're we're a little bit more open minded to this idea of this is a universe they're creating and it's never nothing like this has ever really been done before. So there's more of an awe of the possibility when we leave the theater as opposed to this like disappointment that we didn't get it all or get enough it's almost like oh i can't wait for more when i leave yeah it's like cereal an old school cereal well well, sure i just i feel i like hey i applaud marvel taking this this you know approach and trying to build this grand mythology in film form i guess my feeling is i don't want my overriding feeling about a movie to be oh man the next one's gonna be great I want yeah. my overriding feeling to be that was awesome. And well, that, my, that like just my that, feeling that, is that, the next one's gonna be great too. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like you can do both. You can make movies. Yeah, they did both. That is what I'm saying. They definitely did both. <laughs> I, I, for I just for feel most like people, they, they have done both. I feel like Phase Two overall really hasn't succeeded at doing both. You just can't make you happy, Andrew. Yeah, I feel like Phase Two has been so focused on building towards Thanos and building towards the Infinity Gauntlet that the movies don't stand alone themselves. And why would you feel that way about the about like Iron Man 3 and 
Captain America and Thor. I don't think they build towards Infinity Gauntlet or Thor or, or Thanos at all. Like, if anything, that was part of my disappointment with some of those movies was they don't actually tackle the bigger picture at the end. Like, like they just kind of like the the post credit scenes are just like non sequitur to whatever happened in the movie. It's here's the collector and like. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Look, it's it's uh um it's Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and they're in the cage. It's like that didn't have shit to do with what we watched, though. So, to to me, that's more of a letdown. This is the first one where it's like this entire movie is about uh something that will be key to uh what happens later. The other movies are kind of like self-contained, like especially Iron Man three. Which um, was That's such true. a self-contained story that I, I almost don't give a fuck. It had no yeah, Iron Man. Universe. I, well, yeah, Iron Man three has has a lot of other problems that make yeah. it a terrible movie. But it but it also <laughs> yeah. has like zero effect on that universe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, even in Thor, like at least they're dealing with a, an Infinity Stone, and they're also dealing with. Um, uh, like they actually acknowledge when with the the cute like Captain America scene and like they kind of acknowledge this part of a whole like Iron Man doesn't even do that and then um well I I guess I guess that's another reason why I feel like Captain America the Winter Soldier I feel like yeah that movie has some flaws but overall I think it succeeds because it it does find a decent balance between you know having this central character change and go through different things and different journeys and have to have to have internal conflicts that he has to deal with while also incorporating incorporating these large external events uh mm. in in that film's case it's it's everything going on with shield right. that that feels like it's going to have massive consequences down the road and, right. and 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 for a lot of different things and i but think it that doesn't that movie, build towards thanos at all it doesn't build towards avengers no. at all it like like they made a choice uh, like uh, another thing I have to apply Marvel on is, you know, I know a lot of people are getting all up in the Kool-Aid and don't really have a spoon uh, when it comes to like pick, like talking about the directing choices and the acting casting and all that stuff. But they've managed a lot um, and given a lot of freedom, I think, to these directors where the movies feel different. Like, th- like to me, um, to me, uh, this movie feels significantly different than uh the other movies bef- uh the other movies before it and um uh, even thor uh, the dark world where which you said was uh extremely dark to you had comedy beats that weren't in iron man um uh, in, in my opinion and like the last action scene in thor has some of the most uh thor 2 has some of the most like um funny slapstick type type of money's uh moments with the the portals and transportation that like when he loses his hammer and it almost like uh, leads you up to think that you're gonna have a knockdown drag out, and then it kind of ends in a more funny, sillier way. And I'm okay with people kind of getting their own um, style, delivering that to the to the Marvel universe. And I think this movie's no different. Um, and it is very difficult to juggle, but I think they're handling it admirably. Uh, even if I don't like every film, uh, I am ending up where I'm liking the majority of the product that they're putting out. It's interesting you bring up the direction. I think that James Gunn was an interesting choice for Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think that I think that when it comes to overall the feel of the movie in terms of the soundtrack and a lot of the the jokes and the stuff that he wrote, I think that overall that was he was a good choice. But visually, I th- I think that Guardians of the Galaxy is really a, a 
pretty awful movie. I thought that the camera doesn't do anything interesting. I thought the editing was really jumbled. The action scenes, I didn't think were choreographed very well. I felt like visually James Gunn just was was a pretty boring choice as a director. Um, and there was there was nothing like um, like the, uh, the the kind of the gritty feel of Captain America: Winter Soldier, or as you mentioned that that portal f- finale of Thor: The Dark World. I mean, for all that film's flaws, it was an interesting idea that was mm-hmm. interestingly directed. Um, and I, I don't feel like Guardians of the Galaxy really had anything quite like that. It all felt pretty basic and pretty standard to me in terms of the direction. It was just stand. It was standard directing of weird things. Yeah, I, guess. I, I disagree. Honestly. Yeah, it, it, that, like even okay. some of the humor and the awkward pauses and things like that. I don't think that we would have seen that in a Whedon film. You won't even get the dance off. Uh, you won't even get the dance off finale, which is was hilarious to me because so much tension built towards that moment. Yeah, and it's just it was almost so random. Yeah, no other no other Marvel movies coming even close to taking a chance like that. Period. I will say in terms of the finale, I do think that that third act was the visually uh and conceptually the most interesting part of the film to me. Well, it's about goddamn time. <laughs> I was surprised, actually, because it is such a cliche plot, and I was like, okay, and here we have the obligatory battle scene, and there's going to be the MacGuffin, and it's going to be super powerful, and blah, blah, blah. I've seen this all before, but I did think that that did have some nice comedy to it and some nice twist to it, and visually, I did think that it, it did stand out more than the rest of the film. The first half of this movie... I just felt was really cheap looking and really ugly and and really didn't take the time, as I said earlier, to just immerse you in the world. It was so quick about just moving on from point to point to point. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna be cheap, you might as well be quick, right? I, mean, I guess I didn't I guess. think it looked cheap, but if if you thought it looked cheap, thank God they kept moving around, dog. Like <laughs> it, you you want them to stay in the cheap spots, man. Nobody wants to see that. Well, getting back to to this whole thing about the big picture. I have a question for you, Rod. And I, yeah, I know this is a cynical question because I'm kind of cynical when it comes to everything with, with these Infinity Stones. Well, I will give you a cynical answer. Okay. <laughs> why can't... Why, what is stopping them? Why can't... I mean, other than capitalism and the fact that they can make more money this way, why can't they just have come out with Avengers 2 or Avengers 3 or whatever it's going to be and just said... Oh, and giving us a quick 15-minute montage. Oh, there's all these Infinity Stones. Thanos has them now. He's powerful. Go. And just give us a movie. Why Why do we have to have movie after movie of, here's an Infinity Stone. This guy's after it. Here's another Infinity Stone. These people are after it. And here's another Infinity Stone. And these people are after it. We know it's going to end up in Thanos. And I like you talk about how it's building up to this big bad. I don't care about Thanos. I feel like they've given us nothing to, 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 to show us that he's going to be a threat beyond telling us, Oh, guys, get ready. Get ready. He's going to be dangerous. Get ready. And I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like, okay, we'll just just show show him being a badass then. Just get to it. Cut to the chase. Well, I mean, that kind of defeats the entire purpose of movies and storytelling <laughs> in general. Why? Like, you know, like that. I, I don't think 
I mean, you may think that's what you want. I think if that happened, you would be more disappointed than anything else they could do. Because I, I mean, I'd rather have one movie with a giant, super powerful MacGuffin than movie after movie after movie with these Infinity Stones. No, well, what and you're see, you know. this is what see what you're describing to me is from the outside looking in. That means it's working. Like to me, you want this to already be like to have happened already. And to and that means that you are at least on some level intrigued. Like, no, I'm bored. Well, no, you must be intrigued if you want them to like. If you do want to see this guy, that's full power. Like, I don't really want to. I just know it's coming. Well, you just and said I, I'm you just did, like, Andrew. How are you gonna? I mean, do you want me to listen to the words you're saying or not listen to the words? Because when I answer the question again, that you just asked, then you flipped it to like, I don't even mean what I just asked. Well, no. Here's no, no, no. Here's the thing. I, I mean, I have no reason to feel intrigued by Thanos yet or the Infinity Gauntlet or whatever this stuff is. I think it's pretty boring, but everyone's saying, oh, get ready. Thanos is coming. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So I'm just kind of I'm, – I'm at that place where I'm just kind of like, if it's going to be great, just give it to me already. If forget, it, what everyone, forget what everyone's saying. That, that's your problem, listening to everybody and stuff. <laughs> forget what they're saying and just let them tell the story because this is – like this, like like I said, I think fundamentally your issue is that it's really the source material. This is how it Maybe goes. Maybe so. Like Maybe comic so. books are this way. Like I wish there was a a different way to tell you, but nothing is less as someone who's gone through it. Nothing is less satisfying than just the big bad showing up. That that always sucks because you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he so powerful? Why didn't you like? Where, there's no foreshadowing. Like, you couldn't see this coming. Um, you know there. And then, like, um, the, you're just like, why? Why can't they beat them? Then they should improve it when they're adapting it into a movie. But, they should. Well, make you're it saying you're saying it like it's here. You have two years, so there's there's no reason to rush this. They are making so much money and getting such critical acclaim. You are clearly <laughs> wrong. There's no other way to like you. There's no way you could possibly be right in this scenario, just going by general public consensus. And and not to mention and I, and that's without even mentioning you know just the financial aspect where they are also making money hand over fist. They've been telling these stories for years in these comic books, so they do know what they're doing. They're so th they're building this up on purpose because you can't just throw a big bad out there with no um with no real build up to it. You know you have you do have to have a little foreplay <laughs> to get people intrigued. So when he does show up, you're like, wow. No, this, no, no. This guy's not a true. <laughs> not true. It is, well, you know what? I feel very sad for the ladies in Andrew's lives. Uh, ladies that are dating Andrew, I, I apologize. <laughs> foreplay is very important. Yeah. When, when the foreplay is leading to something, I don't get that it impression is. yet. It, Damn, it will, Andrew, well, stop trying to rush. <laughs> right. The first kiss doesn't feel like you're definitely going to hit it that night, man. You got <laughs> to you take your time, dude. There's something game, you said about the game. process. Okay. Well, well, getting back to, you know, to, to get back to the Star Wars comparison, Star Wars gave us a two-minute glimpse of the Emperor in The Empire Strikes Back, and that was all we needed. And then it, we had him in Return of the Jedi. And it was great, and it was fine, and we saw how powerful he was, and it was, and it was fine. Here's where you're wrong about Star Wars. Let me explain this to you. Um, that is actually the fifth movie. There's, because everyone forgets the order. You saw it in a certain order. 
That is not the yeah, order of that story. Yeah, and it worked fine in that order. It so, works fine so in that order when that, it was whatever, released. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> that is not the correct order. So if you're going to go by that story, that's not really a good example to cite. There's yes, five is. movies to get to two seconds of that emperor. There's, you know, Three all of this which stuff were with Palpatine where we know who he's going to be and stuff now. But there's like there's all this buildup to get to that emperor to make that emperor such a badass. That we didn't need. The emperor was a badass in the 80s. Before the prequels. No. The, how can it be before the prequels? Think about storytelling. Think about storytelling and how it People works. went to see Empire Strikes Back when it came out, something. and they said the Emperor is awesome and badass and threatening. I get it. I get it. So Andrew is saying let's time travel back to before 1999 right. when the first episode came out and then go from there. The Emperor the Emperor's not the big bad in that in that series either. Like he's not even the guy that you're like, "Oh my god, the Emperor's here. He can't he's a 70-year-old cripple who can barely walk, dude." There's <laughs> nothing that menacing. Darth Vader's the menacing one in that yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. I think that you're right there, Rod. Is that the, all the all the emphasis is put on Darth Vader and he's the bad guy. It's only really right, in the well, last sure. in the return that you get the feeling that he's actually just the errand guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, sure, but the, but the emperor is the guy behind Vader, and yeah, but we, well, that's not really emphasized until the last one. No, yeah. but it's like exactly. It's like how in the Marvel universe we have all this stuff with Loki, and Loki's the focus, and then you have all this stuff with Ronan and Malekith, and it's too bad they aren't more interesting, but they're supposed to be primary villains. And then later on, you were supposed to be like, oh yeah, Thanos. That guy that was behind them all, he's going to show up for his own movie. Thanos has been around now for a while, but all right. I'm saying all we needed for Thanos was that was that little stinger at the end of the Avengers. If they had gone straight from that into a big movie about Thanos, I'd be fine with it. It would have worked. I think there is uh, something that just happened here that I'm getting sick of. Can people stop acting like Loki wasn't a great villain? He was fucking great. I'm, I'm tired great. of people saying because no, now totally that the movies have passed, it's easy you. to be like, "Oh, well, it's been a couple years. I can just throw this out here." No, you can't. He was a great villain. Uh, people love when he shows up at Comic Con for a reason. Like he, yeah. he was awesome. Oh yes. Stop talking like that. <laughs> That's crazy talk. Yeah, Loki was cool. I'm saying Malekith and Ronan and these other people are not. Loki. That's was, cool, was but fine. you threw Loki into that into that pool of other guys. He's bigger than that. Respect. Loki was the was the cool like Darth Vader figure in this analogy. Mm-hmm. You know. There you go. <laughs> and I'm saying all we needed was that quick uh, little glimpse of the Emperor slash Thanos in the Avengers, and now it's okay to make him a bigger part of another movie. We don't need constant little glimpses of the Emperor. I mean, I don't think you can hold that to the Star Wars universe because there's only six episodes so far, so far, uh, and we've we've passed six Marvel movies long time and ago. And they be and you know for a fact they if they did that, people would be going, "Oh, it's just a Star Wars ripoff. It's the same shit we've seen it before." Like it's, that's fine. I like, It'd be better I like than what the, we have it's, now. It's not fine, and it's not better. Um, these movies are better reviewed than those movies. Um, so I'll, I'll take these. I will take these. You throw the prequels in there with that Star Wars, and all of a sudden we're talking about people that hate those movies now. So um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Marvel seems to be on the right track. I just get the feeling that it's going to be a Pixar thing. When they finally disappoint, it's going it to hurt. And I'm going to say, I told you so. <laughs> but you'll, but you'll be crazy because you're going to say it about movies that people like. And then people are going to be like, what are you talking about, crazy guy? Get out of my house. <laughs> like, you got to say it about, like, it, they like at some point, they will have the, like, big, 
I think, because this is how comics work, they always at some point have the big like, no, nah, that wasn't that good. You know, which is yeah. another part of this, which is completely po- possible that um, <laughs> will be kind of funny as a comic book fan, but totally like Marvel. It's completely possible Thanos could just disappoint. And that movie could be like, eh, I like the movie. I now appreciate everything before this because the buildup is bigger than the big bad. Like the big bad and and the fight and all that stuff isn't always that epic, man. Sometimes the big bad, like you appreciate the journey more than you appreciate the final like fight, even though you you think you would, you know? I think it's going to be interesting, Rod, if Avengers 3 comes out and it's finally the big buildup with, with Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. And I think it's going to be hilarious if everyone who's like loves the anticipation and has loved this buildup is disappointed. But I love it because I haven't enjoyed the, the, the buildup. And I'm like, guys, this is awesome. If, if they should have just cut straight to this. This is great. And, and you'll all be like, no, this is a letdown. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen is my prediction is we get one because I mean, there's. It's Hollywood and nothing nothing yields results infinitely. You know, there's a law yeah. of uh, diminishing returns. So yes. at, at some point we will be stuffed when it comes to superhero lore and we have told all the interesting stories and we're going to start telling some of the B stories that aren't as impressive and some of the bad guys that weren't that good in the comic books. And then we'll get to that point where it's like, oh, okay, um, yeah, this sucks, but... Right now, that's not happening. It's very funny to listen to uh, Andrew because you guys are getting the souped up version of some of the bad guys in the comic books that are even they're even more forgettable in the comic books. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're an issue of two of a comic book. But in this, they're like, let's build this guy into like a planet destroying uh, sycophant who's a zealot and he's got a religious war type thing going on. And then in the comic book, it's just like, oh, that dude from issue three, they got beat up. Yeah, I remember that. So knowing both sides of it, it's kind of interesting to see everybody's take on it. Yeah, I I guess where we differ, Rod, is I kind of feel like we've already reached saturation and I'm I'm already tired of these superhero movies that I feel like are kind of just going through the same beats at this point. Mm -hmm. I just I'm just hopeful that. Now that we've reached that point, maybe by the time we get to Avengers 3, we'll have come out the other side, mm-hmm. and I'll actually like where we end up. But you'll be saying this about the next Captain America and the next whatever the fuck. Like, I'll be on the show, and I'll be like, come on, Andrew, this is crazy. And you'll <laughs> be like, no, it's not. It's too. It's taking too long. When is it going to get here? Like, you know, you're like the kid waiting for Christmas, and I'm like, dude, trust me, the presents aren't all that so you should enjoy this, like, you should enjoy watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you should enjoy watching Abominable Snowman. And you're like, fuck that, I just want my toys. And you'll see when the toys come out. I liked Captain America the Winter Soldier, that's all I'll say. And yeah. I like most of Phase 1, like, even the the Marvel movies that in Phase 1 that a lot of people don't like, like Thor, I actually really, really enjoy. Well, this is the point in time where I remind the audience that you like The Purge. <laughs> Hey, Purge is great. In case anybody's getting worked up and they're getting mad out there and they're like getting ready to type a long email or send a tweet towards at writer Andrew, (laughs) he likes the Purge, guys. Did you see the Purge Anarchy, Rod? It was great, too. Uh, Which one? The Purge Anarchy. I didn't see it uh, because I knew the first one sucked ass. (laughs) There was no point. (laughs) 
un, un, uh, unlike you, if I don't enjoy something, I'm not a glutton for punishment. I don't got to go back and see that shit. <laughs> you might l- actually like the second one because it gets out of the house. You like everyone who's watching The Leftovers now, right? Uh, no, no. This oh, episode, you should come back. You're like, I don't know, man. Oh, The Leftovers. Uh, <laughs> that's a plug for another show here on Phone Geek Radio. Yeah. Listen to the Tupperware party for our thoughts on <laughs> The Leftovers, the, one of the most bipolar shows airing right now. It goes from sucking to being great to sucking to being great. Ugh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, I enjoy these movies. And this is uh, honestly, man, uh, I didn't think it would be possible. But this is my favorite Marvel movie uh, that they've done. Whoa. Out of all of them? Yeah, out of all of them. Look, I'm as surprised as you, man, because I think (laughs) Avengers to me was like, oh, well, there'll never be a movie like better than that. Like, why we can stop making movies, everybody. We reached the end. We won. And uh, but no, man, I walked out of this and um, I immediately was like, I want to see it again. Um, And not my plan is to see it tomorrow because like it's so it's so good. I didn't even see Avengers twice in the theater, but I'm definitely going to see this again because it was just so good. And I think uh, it might be a bit of an unfair advantage for certain type of, you know, nerds or whatever, because to us, it's more like. Oh, cool. We can skip the slow steps. Like when Andrew says he likes phase one, phase one is the slowest because they're explaining everything that I already know. So, you know, it's like me being in, um, I don't know, being in math 101 when I should be in calculus 305. Right. So I'm just sitting there like, okay, yeah, he got the super soldier serum. What the fuck? It's been 40 minutes, guys. Like, like everyone should know this about this guy, which, which is an unfair thing to say because there's a ton of people that are like, how did that dude get his powers with the shield, right? But now that we're into this phase, now I'm way more like, go, go, go. Like, let's let's skip that stuff. Who cares? if They, they can go read it if they want to. I don't care, Marvel. I'm, I'm here with you, so. And I still need Math 101. Like, wait, what? Two plus two is four? What? The, there's a Cree <laughs> and a Xanadarian? What? Yeah. Explain the basics here. I just picture you in the theater, like with a notepad, like writing things down. Like, how do you spell Xanadarian? Is that an X or a Z? What the? What? Okay. Why the heck are John C. Riley and Glenn Close in this movie? You could cut them from the movie entirely. It would not matter. Um, I don't know, man. Good character actors are hard to find. Oh, man, Hasu's in the movie. I mean, if you're gonna have a part like that, I mean, why not go get? Uh, good actors to do it. I think that separates. Uh, you don't. Some of the- you don't need those parts, though. So wait, they're the Nova. They're the Nova Police, or whatever. Which the Corps. Nova Corps. Yeah. So Nova Corps is what the government of Xandar, or a they're they're just the the army. They're just the army of Xandar, yeah. but they go by the name Nova Corps. Yeah, Nova Prime is like the president of the Earth of Nova, you know, of the whole of the whole Earth. Nova, whole okay, so Nova Prime isn't a planet; it's the president yeah. of Xandar. Yeah, that was Glenn Close's uh, position and, and okay. title, like that becomes your name. Okay, but yeah, I mean, but see that stuff like that, they don't like to me. I'm like, you don't gotta explain. I got it. You know what I mean? Like close enough. All right, let's get let's get going. Like, what are we waiting on, man? We've seen so many movies at this point. 
I don't want to go through the the little stuff anymore. I don't need every okay. little thing explained. Well, see, I, I I don't feel like those are little things. I feel like okay, I was like okay, that's an entire like alien political structure, mm-hmm. and you have all these historical intergalactic conflicts. Like that to me is is pretty big stuff. I want to know more. And about. And then you get Star Wars prequels with that shit. That's how it happens. <laughs> hey, let's write five more government scenes. Like, nope, I don't give a fuck. We got it. We've seen this. <laughs> Say what you will about the prequels. It is kind of ballsy to make a multi-million dollar movie about a trade embargo. Yeah. Why don't you explain to me uh, the Nabu trade embargo one more time? And we'll see. We'll see if this time I'm interested. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, re- I still remember as a kid going to see episode one and reading that opening crawl and just being like, what? Talk about, like, that was what was so funny when you said, uh, when you cited Star Wars as like getting this right, would because I was like the original telling, trilogy. Talk about telling but not showing. Like <laughs> Star Wars is a whole lot of like. Now it'll take five minutes to lecture you guys about some really important politics, and uh, here's the geography, and you're like, uh, yeah, I don't care. Just are y'all the original fight? trilogy, Rod? Not the prequels. The original trilogy. That's <laughs> yeah. where it's at. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Do either of you have anything else you'd like to say about Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, Digimon Hansu was great. I, I hated that I waited till the after the credit scene. Everyone acted like that was a big deal. No, that was dumb. They're not you. They're not making a movie based off of it. I actually didn't see it. It's it's the one uh, Marvel film I haven't stuck around after the credits to see the the stinger. But I read about it. It's Howard the Duck, right? Yeah, it's terrible. I don't like. People were all. Like, why didn't you see it? Yeah, why did I see was it? with the date and she wanted to get out of there. So okay. <laughs> Understood. Maybe she wanted some With foreplay. You? No. Maybe, maybe she wanted some foreplay, and you could save time that way. But you were like, "Let's just skip right to it." Um, but nah, you know what though? Um, the closing stinger was terrible. Like needed more shawarma. I would rather have shawarma. Honestly, I would rather. Like it had nothing to do with any other movies. And then like James Gunn like immediately tweeted like, oh, "We will not be doing a movie based on Howard the Duck." It's like, well, then what the fuck, man. Well, I heard that Nathan Fillion did the voice, and that automatically makes me happy, and now I want to see it. Oh, uh, I think it was, um, no, nah, the voice is actually uh, the dude from Robot Chicken, Seth Green. Seth Green, yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, well, then what, what's the deal with Nathan Fillion? I heard that he was involved somehow. I don't know. With this Howard the Duck thing. IMDb that. Yeah, I don't know, dog. Uh, but I don't want to see a Howard the Duck movie either. Like, that's the other part of this. Yeah. If they were doing it. I remember that first movie. They already made a Howard the Duck movie. Yeah, it was terrible. Stop trying to make Howard the Duck happen. <laughs> yeah, it let it go, guys. As a matter of fact, that's the sign, Andrew. Okay, I will agree with you. When we get a Howard the Duck movie, it is officially saturation point for comics, <laughs> and I'm done. Okay, what if we get a Howard the Duck scene in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where he... Sh- or what if he shows up and is like a Jar Jar Binks-style comic relief side character Uh. i would be okay with him treated as a joke because he is i'm not okay with him Uh, yeah why not you have talking raccoons you can have talking giant ducks yeah not this one have it (laughs) maybe if he died wouldn't that be cool if they like had him (laughs) and he died like a horrible death i guess my question (laughs) is with the uh collector like his like little layer has been blown to bits I guess it's like kind of left uh, unresolved, but that's kind of a big deal. Like, do, doesn't he already have an Infinity Stone or two by now? 
Yeah, I think he got one at the end of uh, what movie was that? Was that Iron Man or something? They yeah, forced that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I think all of oh no, it was Thor. That's what it was. But um, I think all of that um, the collector is just one of those like cool comic book characters. But in the comic book, he's he's boring. Like he's not a very good. It's just more of a like, look, comic book guys, we got the collector, Benicio Del Toro, but he's not like some um, major powerful character. He, he collects people and yeah. things and puts them and puts them in cages. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You'd think, though, if, he's, if he has all these Infinity Stones that he's getting his hands on, couldn't he take over the universe if he wanted to? You know, couldn't he be like, sorry, Thanos, I got this. Yeah, you got to be super powerful to even... Um, like hold him. Yeah. You know what'll be interesting um, is if in the comic book Thanos is in love with death, which is like a uh, actual like celestial being that is death. It's like a, a really hot woman, but she has a skull for her face. And he does all this killing and stuff. Like his whole plan is to court death by like killing everybody and being like, "Look at all these souls I brought you. This is how much I love you." It's like he's stalking her or something. I don't know how you pull that off in a movie without it being weird. Yeah. You know. And I guess I it de- depends on the director, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. There's a lot of stuff coming. You brought up something about the Infinity Stones, about how, like, normal people can't, you know, aren't powerful enough to contain them. Why was Ronan able to contain it? Because he's, is it just because he's not human or because yeah, he was wearing gloves? No, nah, because he's more powerful. Um, I, I, okay. I, he's more powerful than an average uh, human or whatever. Um, and then also, I think... Um, that scene was supposed to convey like his, he's a zealot, like his right. fate, like, oh my God, this dude's so fucking crazy. He was like, F you Thanos, I'm keeping his joint, which I know will probably kill me, but I, I believe in myself so much it won't, and it didn't, uh, which is like a huge scene to me, but I, you know, like you said, it didn't convey anything to you, but to me, I was like, oh my God, this dude's a bad. I was just kind of like, well, why aren't you disintegrating, Ronan? Mm-hmm. He hmm. believed in himself, Andrew. You gotta believe in yourself. He, that's right. Him. He believed in himself, and he had he had the gloves. That mm-hmm. helps. Don't don't touch yeah. it with your bare hand. Bad idea. Always got to wear gloves around the Infinity <laughs> Stones. Use protection. One of these days, we're gonna like the same movie, man. One of these chorus. days. Oh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Yeah, you dropped the ball on that one, man. <laughs> now I don't even like that movie anymore because what? Let's agree right now, Rod. That's a good movie. Come because on. of how you feel about this movie, I'm now drawing <laughs> my life from that movie, it's so that we can never agree on anything. Oh yeah. man. Oh. <laughs> well, what's the what's the next Marvel movie coming out? Avengers two? <laughs> nah, it's like, uh, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. It's Avengers two and um, what is what is 2014? Um. Is it Thor or is it Captain America? I don't know, but yeah, next we'll we'll have to you know discuss uh, Age of Ultron next summer and bring you on and see if the buildup has been worth it and if we agree on that film. Man, I I can already tell you're gonna hate Ultron or something as a villain, and I'm gonna be like, what the fuck? He's Ultron is it's not gonna go well. And I'm just gonna be like, who's Ultron? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't learn anything about him. He's it's a robot? What? Age of Ultron. We didn't. We never found out how old he is. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. But you need his character biography. You need like where he came from. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically. Yeah, they'll build it up, man. But anyway, whatever it is, it won't be enough. So I'm not yeah. worried about it. Like, 
we Maybe will we see. We should start reviewing some actual movies, or um, <laughs> you should like let me on so I can like disagree with something you like, so I can be like, oh, you like Lucy? That shit sucked. Because oh. <laughs> I hate Lucy. Hey, Monica liked Lucy too. I like Lucy. Oh, I hated Lucy, man. Oh, man. Lucy Goosey. That's what they should call it. Got Lucy Goosey with that plot at the end. I love my silly sci-fi. I liked Dawn of the Planet of the Apes overall. Not as much as Monica, but I liked that. You liked that too, didn't you, Rod? Yeah, I loved it, man. Okay. One of the best movies of the summer, man. I didn't I didn't watch The Purge Anarchy. And I'm just gonna <laughs> go on a limb and say I didn't. Now that's like the it. movie of the summer right there. Yeah, I should have yeah, I should have been on that review and then I could without watching the movie, I could tell you why I suck. <laughs> <laughs> Did they, hey, did they finally get to financial crimes for the Purge Anarchy or no? Uh, yes, there's a brief mention. Yeah, because I was like, th- that would be the first thing that would happen is the crime where you don't even have to leave your house and no one can do anything. I'll just rob everyone's 401k. Oh, well, there's a guy that gets killed for uh, for causing the recession, basically, yeah. for being a, <laughs> a Wall Street banker. So. <laughs> <laughs> You see, Rod, you need to go see it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just laughing at how stupid that is. <laughs> Let's go get this dude. He calls a recession. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till the purge day. That's when I'm going to get him. <laughs> the other 364 days is off limits. The rules, guys, it's the rules. Omar's in it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Michael K. Williams, everyone likes him. Is Omar the uh, the financial dude or... No, no, oh. he, but he does have a small role in the film, and he oh, might be in man. future sequels. We'll see. Times fell hard for him, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for part two of our discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to do next next time when uh, we'll be discussing something. We don't know what yet, but we'll be talking about some some movie that came out in August. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes and Stitcher. So if you like this episode, please write us a review. That helps us out a lot. And uh, if you really like the show, you can financially support us by going to the website and clicking the support tab and the donate button. We really appreciate your help. Uh, We also have an affiliates page, uh, and you can visit some of our partners, including Amazon. And uh, anything you purchase through our affiliates If you use our website as the portal to get there, we will get a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something cool for yourself and help us out at the same time. Go uh, go buy some Guardians of the Galaxy comics or pre-order the movie on Blu-ray through Amazon and and, and you can help us out while you do it. Uh, And we appreciate that. Don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Tupperware Party, which is our weekly podcast all about the HBO series The Leftovers. Rod, thanks for coming on again to 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 debate the these Marvel movies and whether or not they're doing things right or wrong. It's always a pleasure to have you on, even though we frequently disagree. Where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can find me at theblackouttips.com. Uh, you can go on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, search The Blackout Tips, and uh, check it out. It's a comedy podcast to do with my wife five days a week. The motto of the show is nothing's wrong if it's funny. Andrew was just on tonight's episode. Well, actually, I don't know when this is coming out, so I'll just say he was on the August 6th episode of the show. Um, so if you want to hear him, um, come check that out, man. And Yeah, uh, we agreed. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, no, yeah really we agreed on a lot of stuff. We agreed on the state of True Blood. That's true. That is a terrible, terrible show. Um, <laughs> and uh, make sure you guys um, go on Twitter and follow me. I'm at Rodimus Prime. And um, 
if you agree with me, everybody should definitely hit up right at writer Andrew on Twitter <laughs> and just let him know and CC Monica in to let her know like that she's saying too because I listen to her on here and she has to put up the good fight every week. And, uh, <laughs> God, you, God bless you, Monica. You're doing you're doing the Lord's work, Monica. Oh, I'm touched. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. I know it's a lot to deal with. <laughs> And if you agree with me that Guardians of the Galaxy nope. was kind of a disappointment, <laughs> don't forget to CC Rod. Yeah, both of you guys. In your response. Yeah. Both of you guys, make sure you, you let me know. Yeah. Uh, all mm-hmm. two of you. Um, and only one tweet per person, please. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, Monica, where can people find your work online? People can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at MCastiMovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I Movies. And you can find me co-hosting the Tupperware Party on Film Geek Radio and occasionally uh, writing some movie reviews over at MovieMezzanine.com. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at WriterAndrew, and I hope you will do so so we can keep talking about superhero movies. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema and chasing after that super glowy rock This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!